What does Matthew 5.17 mean? Well, I'm sure you've heard the verse. I'll read it for you just in case you don't have that passage memorized. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And then I'll read verse 18 along with it. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. This is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and he gives this um, very clear articulation that he wants um, his ministry and his words to be situated in a context of fulfillment, not abolishment. Well, the question has popped up in all kinds of debates and all kinds of academic studies of what Matthew 5.17 means. Well, here are some of the more common interpretations. Number one, Jesus is correcting the abuses of the religious community by offering a balanced approach to law-keeping. Number two, Jesus is expanding the law to be more binding than originally presented. Number three, Jesus is nullifying the demands given by Moses to God's people in the Old Covenant. Number four, Jesus is replacing the concept of law-keeping with a new approach of love and grace. And number five, Jesus is using his authority to redefine various aspects of the Old Covenant law for a new generation. I think that the best answer to this, or the best approach out of those five uh, that I just summarized, is kind of a multi-perspectival fulfillment in the way that Jesus is using the phrase. I don't think Jesus means just one of those, uh, but I think there's certain elements of each of those that we could at least argue to to an extent. I want to be careful here. Um, Jesus did not only come to earth to die on the cross, for instance, as the substitute of uh, God's wrath placed upon us, but Jesus enduring that for us and living um, with that imminent understanding that he was going to the cross. That's true, but that's not the only part of Jesus' life. He also lived a meritorious life, perfect righteousness in our place, and gifts us his own righteousness so that when we stand um, in the presence of God, we have the righteousness of Christ, not only the uh, suffering that he took place for us, but also his righteousness, which he gives to us. So we can look at his life and say, um, it's not only that he died on the cross, but it's also that he lived for us. So we could also kind of take that idea with his claim of not coming to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them and say that there's uh, various points of emphasis in which that is true. Um, For example, Luke 24, 27, Jesus uh, cites the the law and the prophets and teaches his disciples how those uh, elements, that is the whole of the New Testament, the law and the prophets, speaks to him and is fulfilled in him. And that is probably the most grand sense in which we could say um, that Jesus comes to fulfill um, the law and not to abolish it by the fact that he is the fulfillment of it. Okay, so there's one way that we could understand that. Um, 
I don't think it's proper or, or even helpful to think that Jesus came to correct or to overthrow the law, um, as if Moses' deliverance of God's people out of Egypt was in order to give them a law that wasn't actually all that good. That would kind of be a climactic failure if we were reading the Exodus narrative uh, to make it to the New Testament only to realize that whatever the law was that Moses gave to God's people was actually a, um, a knockoff and not the real brand. Uh, that, that would be a, a poor view of understanding what the law is and how exactly Jesus fulfills that. So you, you see this a lot of times too in what's called antinomianism, um, this idea of being anti-law against law, is that what Jesus does is, and this would be a very uh, poor understanding of John 1.17, where um, grace comes through Jesus Christ, the law comes from Moses, in a way that says that there's no grace in the Old Testament and there's no law in the New Testament. So, Moses is the time of the law, grace is utterly absent, make it to the New Testament, law is utterly absent, now grace. That that would be kind of an antinomian understanding of how Jesus fulfills. It would basically say Jesus fulfills the law uh, so that we don't have to have the law anymore. Now, in, 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 in a certain aspect that's true because we don't have to keep the ceremonial laws, um, we don't have to... Um, adapt to uh, becoming ethnic Jews. We don't have to embrace all of the laws, but the substance of the law, the Ten Commandments, is still binding. There's not a sense in which we can say it's now okay to steal, murder, and sleep with people's spouses. I mean, that's still sin. We still have to uphold the moral law of God. And Jesus certainly didn't come to abolish the moral law of God. So, what does it actually mean? Well, Jesus says elsewhere in the gospel that the, the, the sum of the law of God is to love the Lord your God with all of our heart and to love our neighbor as ourselves. These are the two summary statements of the law. They're also the two summary statements of the Ten Commandments, if we were to break up the Ten Commandments as it relates to God and as it relates to our neighbor. But what Jesus is doing by saying he comes to fulfill the law is that he fulfills the law's obligations. He fulfills the law's obligations of what is required of us as mankind. He also fulfills the curses that are associated with the law if we are to break the law. And so Jesus doesn't enter into the picture in the New Testament in order to say all of these prophets were wrong, all of these laws are antiquated, and irrelevant now. We need new laws for a new time, new prophets for a new era. That is certainly not what Jesus is doing. But instead, he is tracing all of those, pulling them into his life, demonstrating how he's the fulfillment of them, and also living his life with a real comprehensive approach um, to law-keeping for our benefit, because he is living a life of perfect righteousness and also going to the cross uh, to endure what is becoming of lawbreakers, of rebels. And that is all of those who are 
um, in disobedience to God and reject who he is. Jesus also comes to fulfill the demands of the law for those who break the law. And so we can really look and see that what Jesus is saying in some ways is just summarizing his earthly ministry, his perfect life of obedience and his perfect death on the cross. In other ways, Jesus is illustrating the necessity for the Holy Spirit. Now think about Jesus' earthly ministry. What inaugurated his earthly ministry? Well, Jesus was baptized and received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. He then goes and is tempted by the devil and withstands that temptation. And he then enters into his formal teaching ministry. This passage, Matthew 5.17, is part of that very first um, sermon which Jesus gives as a kind of a formally um, recognized teacher. Um, so not necessarily the first sermon he ever preached, um, although it's possible, but certainly the first kind of formal gathering of people come together to hear Jesus exclusively. And what he does is he kind of situates his earthly ministry. He demonstrates what it means to fulfill the whole law. But we're also told prior to that he's doing so in the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' life is an example for us in this way, that he demonstrates that true law-keeping from the heart, that is to say loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourself, is only possible with the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's only ever been that way, but Jesus models this perfectly in his life and sets a prime example for us to mimic as his people, living in light of all, all that he's done, certainly not expecting that we're doing it in a substitutionary way as he did. We're resting in that, but we're also living in light of it as holy people unto God. And so we should understand that what Jesus does here is he demonstrates that his life is alongside what the Old Testament says, not in opposition to it, but also in a perfect demonstration of what pleases the Father and in perfect example of the way in which we are to live. That is the essence of what it means that Jesus has not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but to fulfill them.